You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Doug Robbins. How's the tribe doing today? Yeah! (laughs) So good to see you guys today. Now, if I'm ever dressed up, it's always really good news or really bad news. Today, it's really good news. And by the way, when you go to certain special occasions, you wanna dress appropriately, right? How many of you have ever been to like a funeral or a wedding? Just raise your hand real quick, okay? Most of us have been to a funeral or a wedding. And when you go to a special occasion of any sort, how many of you know that you can embarrass yourself? at this special occasion. I've done that maybe a a couple of times. And so uh, today I'm dressed up because of the good time we're gonna have together. But one day it was the bad news side of things and I was to perform a funeral ceremony. And it was gonna be at Fort Sam Houston Cemetery. And I was dressed up in my suit and everything for the funeral and I walked out to my car and I noticed that my car had a flat tire and it was too late for me to call my wife or anybody to come and get me to take me to the funeral or it would make me even more late. And I'm looking around my backyard and I see my scooter. It's like, I can take my scooter to the funeral. So I'm in my suit and I get on my scooter and I start it up and I'm like, on my way to a funeral at Fort Sam. Now, if you've ever been to Fort Sam, Uh, cemetery, you know that it's a big old place. And so there can be a lot of funerals, like more than one there at at Fort Sam, right? So I get there and I'm like, and I go up to this one funeral. And how many of you know that when you roll up to a funeral on a scooter, you draw a little bit of attention to yourself, right? And that was not intentional, but I roll up to this one funeral and they were honoring the deceased and the soldiers were out there, you know, playing you know, taps or whatever, they were, they were honoring the deceased. And I'm looking over to see, do I know anybody? Is this my funeral? And I look over, I didn't know anyone. So I realized this isn't my funeral. And so I better start up my bad motor scooter and ride and try to find my funeral. And so when you start up these scooters, this, the electric start button looks just like the horn button. So I'm gonna start up my scooter and everybody at that funeral is looking at me and I'm like, (laughs) so then I started up and take the ride of shame. Uh, I was more than a little embarrassed that day. And look, the reason I told you that story is because there is a great banquet, a great special occasion to beat all special occasions, and I want you to make sure you're ready for it. We want to make ourselves ready for that. You know, in recent days, we've been studying Revelation, and we're going to look at one text from Revelation that we read last week, and it's going to be the springboard into our conversation about uh, the text that we're going to study today. So go with me just for a minute to Revelation 19.6, where the Bible says, Hallelujah, and how many of you were here last week and saw Kanye on screen, his choir, that was pretty awesome, wasn't it? So go back and watch it if you hadn't, but say, hallelujah for the Lord, our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come 
and his bride has, look at this next three words, made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so if you wanna see one of the big stories that's all throughout the Bible from the very beginning to the end is that we are, those of us that believe in Jesus, are the bride of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the groom. And someday there's gonna be a great wedding banquet or feast that we can all be a part of. And you don't wanna go to that feast not dressed appropriately. You don't wanna be late for that. You wanna make sure you're ready. And so today I'd like you to consider one thought by way of, I guess, a transforming idea, and it's simply this. Make yourself ready. You don't wanna be unready. You wanna make yourself ready. So turn to someone next to you and tell them, make yourself ready. Yeah, some of you are telling your kids, I'm tired of telling you, man. I had to tell you to make yourself ready for church today. You gotta wake up that spouse trying to sleep in. Make yourself ready uh, today, and you won't regret having been here. But here's how Jesus explained it through a story. Jesus often taught through stories. And so let me take you to the story that we're gonna unpack today from Luke chapter 14, verse 15. A man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet. Here's this banquet again in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. And look at how his master responded. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. And so today I wanna show you four ways that we can make ourselves ready for this great banquet feast. Number one is invite people to the kingdom party. We see this in verse 14, um, it says, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet of the kingdom of God. And so when you're inviting people to church or inviting people to Jesus, you're not inviting them to a service or inviting them to something that would be boring, but you're inviting them to something that is a feast, a banquet, a party. And the Jewish audience that Jesus was telling the story to, they were very familiar with this kingdom of God as a banquet kind of idea because all of them would have read and understood and known the words of Isaiah. Let me take you there for a minute to chapter 25 and I'll read a couple of verses from chapter 55. It says, on this mountain, Isaiah says, the Lord Almighty will prepare a what? A feast of rich food for all people, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. The Lord has spoken, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. 
And you know, I got a glimpse of the feast of the kingdom. I get glimpses of this from time to time. In this life, and one night I was at Strong Foundation Ministry for Homeless Families that we helped to support, and I was over there one night, and I could smell this jambalaya in the kitchen. And so, of course, I go in there, right? I wanna know what that smell is, and I see this delightful lady in there. She had been displaced from the coast of Louisiana by a hurricane, and she was in there cooking some jambalaya, and I said, ma'am, that smells really good. Uh, what makes your jambalaya smell so good? And here's how she said it. It was wonderful. She said these words, I make it with love. <laughs> and I took a taste of that jambalaya, and I'm here to tell you, you could taste the love in that uh, jambalaya for sure. And what that reminded me of is the early gatherings of the church in the New Testament and in the first century, there's this theologian named Tertullian, and he described the church gatherings like this. He said, our feast, our, our feast, he didn't say our church service. He said, our feast explains itself by its name. The Greeks call it agape, i.e. affection. So agape is just a Greek word for love, loving affection. Whatever it costs with the good things of the feast, we benefit the needy, the participants before reclining Tastes first a prayer to God, as much as is eaten as satisfies the cravings of hunger, as much as drunk as benefits the chaste. In other words, they weren't like hanging out getting drunk. Each is asked to stand forth and sing as he can a hymn to God, either one from the Holy Scriptures or one from his own composing. As the feast commenced with prayer, so with prayer it is closed. And so this is why we say here at City Tribe that in our small groups we call tribes, tribes eat. We get together and we enjoy company over food. That's the way God made our tribes to operate in the future. The eating and drinking at the feast of God won't be tainted by alcoholism or food allergies or food intolerances because you know some of you know that in this life you can't successfully drink, right? You have to abstain from alcohol in this life and others of you have to avoid certain foods because of allergies or gluten intolerances or uh, some other problem with the food. But brothers and sisters, on that day, we will feast and drink and there'll be no dysfunction in the meal and we will eat all we want and you know what else? We won't gain weight. Anybody down with that, right? Like, I'm thinking, God, I'm gonna eat there and it's gonna make me get skinnier, so I'll take that. Uh, that's the kind of feast I like. But look, it's interesting to me that there are some people in the story that we just read who don't wanna be a part of that feast. They make excuses. Look at number two. When we make ourselves ready, we see through excuses. We see through our own excuses. We make excuses, don't we, sometimes? And we see through the excuses of others. It says in verse 18, but they all began making excuses. Now, let me give you some background on how these invitations and feasts worked in this day. Um, these guests would have already been invited to the banquet and would have accepted that invitation. And since they didn't have phones where they could text each other, they would have waited for a second uh, message from the person that was putting on the party to let them know that the food's ready. And here's the shocking element of the story, is that the invited guests who had already accepted the invitation, when the second message came letting them know the food was ready, did not honor their own commitment to come. Any of you ever prepare food for someone and then they just flake and don't show up? 
How does that make you feel? That's what's going on in this story. And there are three excuses going on here. Let me show them to you. Look at number one. I've just bought a field and must inspect it. So this is a guy who does a real estate deal and he uses that as an excuse not to show up to the banquet that he said he would come to. And this represents people today that their earthly investments are more important in their hearts than investing in the things of God, than investing in the kingdom of God, coming to church and serving others and being in tribal community. But look at excuse number two. This guy says, I bought a pair of oxen and I wanna try them out. That's his excuse. It's kind of like a person who would say, hey, I'm, I'm going to buy a car, and I didn't test drive my car before I drove it off the lot, but I just took it, and now I want to test drive it now. So this guy bought a couple of oxen. His message about coming to the party uh, comes, and he says, no, I got to go test drive the oxen that I bought without testing them before I drove them off the lot. And this represents the person who their possessions, their material things capture their heart more than the banquet of God and the things of God. But look at excuse number three. This guy says, I just got married, so I can't come. So he accepted an invitation to the banquet, he gets married, and now he won't even take his new wife to the banquet. Hey man, when Jeannie and I got, first got married, we were so poor, if anybody was gonna give us free food, we were there. They have the first invitation, we'll hang out outside the door and wait for you to get that food ready, right on? Because we don't wanna miss out on it, but this guy, uses his new wife as an excuse. And you know what this represents? This represents the people that spiritualize their family and put their family as an idol. We all know from the Bible that our family is important, right? And so these people wanna come off looking good and they say, you know what? I don't wanna come to church because I wanna spend time with my family. And that is wrong. Our family, our kids and our spouses need to see us coming to church to worship. Our kids and our spouses need to see us serving God, and it's only when we best connect with God that we're better for our families. When we connect with God and walk in the power of his Holy Spirit, we're more intimate with our spouses, and we're better parents to our children when we connect with God. And so some people are too busy for the kingdom of God. That's their excuse. Other people are too materialistic and involved in their stuff to be involved with the kingdom of God. And you know what Jesus does when people are too busy for him? He moves on. He shakes the dust from his feet and he says, go to the poor. Look at verse 21 of Luke 14. Go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite, look at this, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. I can tell you this, over the years, I have found God when I've served those who are under-resourced. I've found him there. One summer, I was in Jerusalem, and I walked out of my hotel, and I thought I was in Jerusalem and in the Holy Land to find God at the holy sites, the places where there's significant archaeology, and those things are important, right? But I walk out my, my hotel room, and I met this guy named Isa Abel, and Isa was disabled. In this country, he probably could have been on disability, but there, he had to work very hard shining shoes just to make a little bit of a living, and 
I wear sneakers most of the time, and so I don't need my shoes shined, right? But I wanted to give him something, but he wouldn't take something for nothing, and so I gave him something, and he gave me this little coin called a widow's mite. Now, if you've not read through the Bible, the widow's mite is a little coin from the ancient times that's actually worth less than a penny in our currency. But he gave me this little widow's mite, and it reminded me of that Bible story in which a poor woman was generous and she gave all she had that one widow's might and it was like god was saying to me through this man doug you will encounter me through people not places see if you're looking for a place to encounter god stop looking for a place and look for a person in which you can encounter god and then one summer i found god sorting shoes in mexico where we support Fidel and Marianita Rubio, and they served the Tarumara, and we were in a warehouse sorting these shoes that we were gonna give to these kids, and Marianita told me, she said, when we go out there to meet with the kids, look at their feet. And so I was so impacted by looking at their feet, I took a picture and brought it for you today, because when you see someone's feet, it tells you a lot about the life and reality of the people. I mean, some of these kids make uh, makeshift sandals with whatever materials they can find laying around, and we outfitted these kids with new shoes. And you know, when we got back to the orphanage, some of the kids there we were fitting them with new shoes as well. And I saw this one kid uh, who was wearing a name tag, and he just got his new shoes on, and all these kids were wearing name tags, and his name was Jesus, which, as you know, is spelled Jesus. And that took me immediately in my mind to something Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 40. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it to who? Me. I was encountering Jesus in the eyes of a boy who was getting new shoes. And it's no wonder that so many people encounter God through the under-resourced because Jesus associated himself with the poor in his ministry. Look at Luke 4, 17. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Jesus. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to who? The poor, right on. And this explains why I encountered Jesus one time in Eastern Europe in Romania our guide took us to this orphanage and I wasn't prepared for what I would experience there. There was a big room, perhaps as big as the room that we're in right now in the cameo, and it was filled with these beds. And these children were sitting on the bed, sitting on the bed like this, holding themselves like this, rocking back and forth. And our guide explained to us that those children were so attention deprived that they would hold themselves and rock back and forth just to simulate a hug. And I remember when we'd sit on these beds with these kids and just try and talk to them and just put an arm around them and let them know someone loves them, bonding happened immediately. And it was like Jesus was helping me to see him through the eyes of these children. And if you think for one minute that I was going there and blessing these people in different parts of the world, you would have it way wrong. They were blessing me. Look, it, it, it's, it's, I could think in my mind I was going to deposit something into them. But really, it was God, Jesus, depositing something into my heart through 
those that are in, uh, you know, Jesus in his distressing disguises. And you know, you don't have to fly halfway around the world to encounter Jesus in that way unless you're as stubborn and dull as I am sometimes. But you can just go into our cafe after church today where friends from the streets and bridges are getting some brisket and some awesome food a banquet today at our expense, see? And why? Because we want to encounter Jesus in and through those who are under-resourced and struggling. And you know, sometimes in my God times, I call my God times like when I meet with God in the morning and I'll read different parts of the Bible and sometimes I'll read Proverbs. And if you read a chapter of Proverbs every day in a month, you'll go through the whole book of Proverbs. So I was doing this one month. And I remember one time I was going through Proverbs and something really stuck, stuck out to me, was highlighted to me. And I'll show you just three of the many verses that really were important to me, Proverbs 19, 17. He who is kind to the poor lends the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. Now look in 21, 13. If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. In 22, 9, a generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with who? The poor, you know? And back when I first started uh, becoming aware of this, I, I liked that band U2. Anybody know U2, you know, and Bono and The Edge and all that? Okay, okay. remember back before they forced us to have like their whole album on our phones? You know, we really liked it, U2. And uh, Bono said something I felt like was really appropriate concerning our interactions with the under-resourced. He said, God may well be with us in our mansions on the hill. I hope so. He may well be with us in all manner of controversial stuff. Maybe, maybe not. But the one thing we can all agree, all faiths and ideologies, is that God is with the vulnerable and poor. God is in the slums and the cardboard boxes where the poor play house. God is in the silence of a mother who has infected her child with a virus that will end both their lives. God is in the cries heard under the rubble of war. God is in the debris of wasted opportunity and lives. And God is with us when we are with them. And look, here's what I want to tell you today is that when we care for and love the poor, we're making ourselves ready. We're putting on the wedding clothes to celebrate with Jesus in the kingdom. But if we deny the poor and don't listen to their cries, we're rolling up to a special occasion and like, eh, eh, embarrassing ourselves at the most important event. Now, when you experience him through the poor, you want to make yourself ready by offering a radically inclusive invitation. That's number four, a radically inclusive invitation. Look at the next verse, uh, Luke 14, 23. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. And you've heard me say around here before that we welcome everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every different age, race, and walk of life to come to City Tribe Church, right? I don't care if someone's sagging because they're a gangster or sagging because they're a granny. We're all welcome here to come and experience the kingdom of God, right? And so look, a lot of people think that Christianity is mega exclusive, but actually it's radically inclusive. Anyone can come and be changed by the power of the gospel. Doesn't mean we can come and do whatever we wanna do. We're, notice I said we come to get changed. Just look, if you're not changing, 
uh, you're not on a journey, you're in a parked car, right? Um, but we want to, all of us, no matter what our background or where we come from, want to come here and be changed by the power of the gospel. And, you know, over the years, I've heard people in our church say, hey, Pastor Doug, you know, they're new and they don't know the environment here. And they'll be like, Pastor Doug, hey, my friend, she's kind of rough around the edges, you know. And can I invite her to church? Well, and someone else will say, I know this guy, he's, he's kind of rough. He's a little edgy. Uh, can I invite him to church? What do you think the answer is to that? Yes. Yes. He can invite anyone to come. And um, one day, this awesome lady in our church named Priscilla, she invited a guy named Joe Gabriel to come to church. And now this guy, Joe Gabriel, is like a prayer leader here at the church. He's a tribe leader. He's a part of our men's ministry called Man on Fire. That's pretty good, right? And by the way, I think the, the men's ministry is called Man on Fire because a fair number of them are single, so they're on fire right now. But Joe Gabriel is getting married here in a couple of weeks, so he's no longer going to be a flaming hot Cheeto. I mean, he's going to be okay. He's, he's married pretty soon. But uh, I wanted to show you Joe Gabriel's story today by way of video, so go ahead and take a look. Go ahead and get started from the beginning. Uh, a lot of my trauma started when I was uh, six years old. Uh, that's when I was first exposed to uh, physical abuse and uh, some sexual abuse. Uh, I was uh, physically abused by one of my mom's boyfriends at the time. It was, it was an experience that I didn't know I was gonna be able to go through like I did, but uh, I went through it, you know. Um, and the sexual abuse, I won't really go into the to the person, that. but it was definitely hey, there, something that sure altered that my mind to look at back from the things different I understand and my approach at life. Connect cards. Uh, yeah. 13, yeah. I was yeah, uh, just have everybody at the peak of my life, uh, playing basketball, playing football, break dancing, uh, doing everything the kid bit. wants to do, Definitely. you know, having fun. And then that all came to a stop when I had, uh, I was diagnosed with a, a cervical spinal brain tumor. Thank God for the people we had in my life at that time uh, that helped me. Uh, not one day that I give up, not one day that I was well me, feel sorry for myself. Like, I just wanted to get out of there and get back into school with my friends. Like, that was my goal. I uh, coped with drugs, uh, which was early on marijuana. Uh, later on, after high school, got into cocaine, pills, mushrooms. I mean, you name it, I tried it, you know. Um, that was another deal. Like, going through that addiction was, uh, it was, it was a struggle because I tried to hide it from everybody. I still tried to be the person that I knew I was, but with an addiction. So it was putting a mask on, putting a mask on daily. Uh, my grandma, I was living with her, and she was having problems with uh, one of her providers, and they quit on her. So uh, we got a hold of the company since I was living with her, and basically they employed me to work for her. Well, the benefit of that was my grandma was a diabetic, which she had needles all the time. So I was like, however I wanted to get high, whenever I wanted to get high, was, it was there. I started stealing from people that I loved. I started burning bridges with people who considered me family. I had friends where I could literally just open the door and walk into their houses without even having a knock. And I was doing that and taking stuff from them. Time in prison was something that I asked for, because at one point in my addiction, I asked God, 
take me out of this addiction. Whatever you, whatever you can do, just help me because I cannot help myself. And he had a funny way of showing me that. So he pulled me away for three years, which is the time that I spend between county and prison uh, to sit down with him and, and learn his ways, I guess, like a, like a Jedi master, you know. Uh, there was a lot that I learned about myself and about people. Um, and that was also where the ministry that God showed me that I was to be called to do, which was intercessory prayer. I met an amazing woman. Her name is Priscilla Flores. Um, she, has, she was attending a church, uh, City Tribe, and she invited me to come. So I was like, well, what the heck, you know, let me... If I can talk to this girl and she goes to this church, let's work with that, you know? So my intentions were for the church. My intentions were for the girl in the beginning. But God used that. God used that. Thank God for that. But uh, coming here um, was amazing. The people, uh, everybody that I met, they made me feel like family. Wasn't able to make it to PTO, but I did make it to the Cultivate, which was the first round of Cultivate. And that actually helped me break past those struggles that I was dealing with. Uh, and one in particularly, which was that, uh, that sexual trauma that I dealt with when I was very young. Um, the journey hasn't been easy. Uh, it's definitely been hard, um, but I do thank God for everybody he's had in my life. Uh, more so the men uh, from my Cultivate is what the men's group that we had from Cultivate was one of the things that has really deeply impacted my life, uh, not just for the prayer life, but for my my deeper understanding of what it is to be a leader, as being a man in this world. Uh, it's not just playing the part, but actually living the part. And that takes a lot of responsibility. And I think the best role model we have is God. Isn't that good? So that's a guy who made himself ready. And you know, he's still making himself ready. Not too long ago, Joe Gabriel was able to baptize his sister right out here. How awesome is that, right? And then uh, at the, the last service, his stepmom got baptized uh, right in here. How awesome is that, right? But look. But can I ask you a question? Are you ready right now? And first I'm talking to those of you that are Christ followers. Are you too busy for the kingdom of God and the things of God? Or, or maybe like the other excuse that was made, are you more concerned with the material possessions of this life or your job or your earthly investments or are you more interested in the in investing in the kingdom of God that'll last forever? Or do you like say that you gotta be with your family and use that as an excuse? for showing your family how to live as a woman or a man of God. I wanna ask you today to begin to get ready. Right? And there's some that God brought here today. He wants to get you into the family so you can be a part, so that you can get the first invitation to be a part of the banquet if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Perhaps God is doing a great work in drawing your heart to himself today. You know he loves you. He's not waiting up in heaven with a hammer to smack you. He's waiting with his arms open wide for you to come home to him. He loves you. He wants to adopt you as his daughter and his son. And look, if you choose to believe in him today, 
There's no reason why you can't be baptized today. We got the water here, we got clothes in the lobby. All you have to do is walk out to the lobby and get registered to be baptized today. Now you gotta understand that getting baptized is not something that you do to earn a love relationship with God. Getting baptized is when you just reveal what God's already done in your heart. And some of you have put it off for a long time and it's time to quit putting it off, man. It's time to step out in faith and make sure you're ready because you know baptism is that first step of obedience to Jesus. And we practice something here we call believer's baptism. So a lot of you were perhaps baptized as a child, right? You know why you're baptized as a child? Because you probably have good parents or you have a good grandma that loves you and wants to see you live in the ways of God as you grow up. But how many of you have known people who got baptized as infants, but they grew up and couldn't care less about God and didn't walk with him? That's why we practice believer's baptism. That is, it's not your grandma or your mom's choice. It's your choice where you've chosen to believe. And it's you coming to say, hey, look, I'm choosing to die with Christ and be raised to walk and live a new life. And so like I said, if you'd like, uh, I think we got a couple of people registered for this service. If you'd like to go back to the lobby right now, you can do so and be baptized in this service. And so uh, let's, what do you say we stop and pray for a minute before we watch some baptisms? And God, as we come before you, some of us are believers and all kinds of excuses have come to our minds about why we're not engaged in kingdom living and making ourselves ready, putting on our wedding clothes. And we're choosing today to stop that excuse making. We want the better feast than what this world has to offer. And so a lot of us all over this room and online today are making commitments where we're saying we're not just gonna take the first invitation, we're gonna take the second one too and we're gonna be at the banquet. We're gonna show up to worship, show up, to serve, show up, to love the poor and further your kingdom. And then others, God, you're drawing to yourself right now in a special and unique way that only you can do. And as we pray to God, perhaps you'd wanna start love relationship with him that you've never had in your life before. Just say something like this in your own heart between you and God. Just say, hey, look, God, right now in this moment, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin and he rose again to give me new life. I receive that today so that I am prepared and invited to your banquet. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Now, as we watch these baptisms, as uh, you know, a couple people come forward to do that, what you're gonna be seeing is people lowered down into the water and the water represents like a liquid grave. And so it's like they're buried with Christ in baptism and then they're raised up out of the water. Unless I'm baptizing you and your, your family slips me a five to hold you down under longer. You know, if you're real ornery, but what it represents is that you're buried with Christ in baptism and then you're raised up to live a new life in Christ. And your city tribe, it's totally appropriate to applaud and yell and cheer for people who are expressing their faith in Christ through baptism. Let's worship together as we watch the baptism.
can't thank you enough for stirring the waters of baptism today and seeing the lives, individual lives that matter to you that are being changed by the power of the gospel. And so we thank you for what you're doing here at City Tribe Church, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. 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 Good times, right? So, so as we wrap up, today, just a reminder about a couple of things. One is that next week we're going to get back to our study of Revelation, and we'll be studying Revelation chapter 20, where I'll be talking about the metaverse and the millennium, so that should be a lot of fun. Bring your Oculus goggles, and you'll be ready for the metaverse and the book of Revelation, right? So uh, also, just a brief reminder that the reason that people are being baptized here, and that right now, people who are living under bridges and People living on the streets are being fed and experienced a great meal today is because we bring our first fruit tithe at the local storehouse. We're not like buying a Learjet for the past or anything goofy like that, but we're invested in the stuff that Jesus cares about, right on? And so that's why um, we, we do this. We bring the first fruit like as a first priority to fund the banquet glimpses of the banquet here on earth. And you know, since we don't pass buckets or plates at City Tribe, here's how to get it done. You can text the tithe, and we've got a new text the tithe number if that's your modality of choice to be able to do your tithing and giving and generosity. But also there are some other ways like, you know, online or you can mail it in or you can go to the boxes and drop it in there. The boxes are located near the exits and they have a QR code there if you wanna just hit the QR code with your phone. And I just wanna say thank you. You guys are very generous people, and I'm just so proud of you as your pastor, the ways that you guys are being generous and loving people around our city. And so before you guys worship through your generosity, let's stand up together, what do you say, and receive some words of benediction. Uh, brothers and sisters, as you walk from here, you're not excuse makers, but you're walking from here saying, there is nothing more important to me than the banquet of the kingdom of God. And so go from here breaking the yoke of oppression, feeding the hungry and doing the things that matter to God as you put on your wedding clothes, make yourselves ready. Have an amazing Sunday and we'll see you guys next time. Peace. We're glad you're a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.